Well, good morning, church. Man, what an awesome time of worship. How exciting to be able to just um, just be here together. We are now at the end of the book of James. In the last chapter of this amazing book. And my heart, my, my heart is that you have, um, I don't know, taken in this book. I, I, I know that when we talk about the book of James, and many of you guys have talked to me about it, it's like, man, it's such a hard book. And I understand what is being said when we say it's such a hard book, but it really is not. And that's what's been my heart, that you would not have taken this book hard <laughs> because it's not complicated. We just don't like what it says oftentimes. And that's what makes it hard because James has been so straight up with what he is wanting to share with us. He, he is so honest. <laughs> um, and I think that's what makes it hard because we don't like it oftentimes. And so we end up wanting to just kind of tear it out and not go through it because it is difficult to hear what James is, has been saying. But it has truly been an amazing book. <sighs> and even though we're at the end of the book, that's not to say that it's the last study. We have at least two more studies before we finish this amazing book. And then we'll go right into First Peter. So homework for you would be start reading Peter, First Peter. Um, again, one of my other favorite books. But um, anyway, so we, uh, we still have a few weeks left, or a couple weeks left in the book of James. I, I think that if we were honest with ourselves, most of us, if not all of us, if we could have our way, we would rather have money than not have money. I don't know about you. If it was up to us, we would rather be able to walk into a store of our choice or a restaurant of our choice and get what we really wanted. Instead of just going doing some window shopping or going into a Mexican restaurant and just ordering water and eating the free chips and salsa <laughs> and then saying, oh, I can't find anything on the menu. I got to go. Um, that would be awkward. But again, I, I, I think if we really checked ourselves, we would much rather be rich than poor. We would rather be making money than losing money. Now, spending money and making money or losing money are two different things. I guess it depends on who's spending the money and who's going. Because you're just like spending it like nothing, you know, like it grows on trees. Um, but there's a huge difference. Proverbs 30, 30 Verse 8 and 9 says this, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me, what, feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. What a, what a great perspective to have when we go through Proverbs like that. We come across... A scripture like that to put things in perspective to say, Lord, don't give me too much or don't give me too little. Just give me enough. Just enough, Lord. And again, I think if we were honest with ourselves, we would rather have more than enough. 
If enough is good, more than enough must be better. So, Lord, give me more than enough. Maybe that's just me, the way I think. (laughs) And so if you haven't caught on by now, this morning, we are going to be talking about money and money issues, um, rich and poor, those kinds of things. Um, I've already instructed the the ushers to lock the doors so none of you guys can escape. So don't think that it's like, oh, geez. You know, what a wonderful um, just topic to talk about on a Sunday morning, right? And I know that some of you, if you're like new or just visiting, it's like, great. That's all they talk about. It's like, no, it's not really. I mean, but it just so happens we're going to be talking about these issues this morning. Um, so lucky for you, you're here. But James has already been speaking to us, or he has already spoken about the rich in the previous chapters. But he's not done with them yet. (laughs) We see that the Lord in chapter 1, he wanted to level the playing field when it came uh, to the poor and to the rich. In, in, re, in regards to trials and temptations, he wanted to level the playing field in, in the sense that, that he would humble the rich and he would lift up the poor and they would both have to go through trials and, and temptations in their lives. Neither one of them was exempt from going through trials and temptations. And so he wants to level the playing field in that realm. But he also, James also shared with us in the next chapter, Um, that we are not to show the rich partiality. We are not to show favoritism to someone who might walk in the door and think, and we think, oh, that person looks like they have money, that we would treat them any different than we would anybody else. As a matter of fact, James puts it this way, aren't the rich, aren't those the ones that oppress you? Aren't they the ones that that drag you into courts and talk bad and evil about you and about your faith and about that, that, that precious name. And so again, he's saying, don't hold them up in high esteem. Treat them just like you would anybody else. It's, it's not that James hates the rich, nor is he implying that God hates the rich. But he understood that the rich trusted in their riches more than they trusted in Christ. And that some of them used their status to oppress and look down on those who are poor. And this morning, James, we see James coming not against the rich because they're rich. He's coming against them because of how they obtained their riches. Now, it does sound like he's coming against all who are rich, but we need to remember that he is writing to the 12 tribes who are scattered abroad. He is writing this book to his brethren. He is writing this to Christians. And so, James chapter 5, beginning of verse 1, we'll cover the first six verses this morning. James 1, or 5, 1, it says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl, For the miseries that are coming upon you, your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. 
You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mow your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And their cries and the cries of the reapers have reached the the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury, and you have fatted your heart as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. They do not resist you. Hmm. Hold your place right here in James and turn over a couple of books to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Before we get into James, I think we need to go to 1 Timothy chapter 6 to get a better understanding of what money is. That, that, that money is neutral, it is amoral, it does not have a soul. It is neither good nor evil. But it can be used for good and, or, or evil. Much like a brick. A brick is also neutral, it is amoral, it does not have any feelings. It can be used to build a wall, it can be used to build a house. But a brick can also be used to break a window or hit somebody over the head with it. It just depends in whose hand it is in. And so when we are looking at 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6 to verse 11, it says this, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we will carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, Flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. When we look at First Timothy here, it gives us a perspective of what money is and what it is not. It shows us that money itself is not evil. It is the pursuit of it. It is the the, the desire of it that is a root of all kinds of evil. It, 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 it kind of goes back to, to the heart of the person that has the money. But it also goes to the maturity of the person. Because James has been trying to teach us throughout this book about maturity, about growing in Christ. He's been trying to teach us what it means to to live a practical Christian life. And money has to do with our life. And he wants us to have a good perspective of how to use money in our lives. And so this is what James has been getting at throughout his book about maturing, about walking this walk in a practical way, even in finances. And so as you go back to James chapter, chapter 5, the first three verses again, it says, now, 
Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are, are corroded and their corrosion will, will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. What, what, what he's saying, he says, listen up now. <laughs> listen now, you rich. That's what that literally means when it says, come now, listen up. And I'm sure that there were those who were reading this letter who totally understood as they were reading this letter who he was referring to. There had to be, there had to have been some in that church, in the congregation, those whom he was writing to, who were rich in the church, but knew that he was not talking about them. They understood that, that their heart was in the right place even though they had riches. And so they kind of thought, well, he is not talking about us. And I know that we can, we can like in here think that same thing right now. It's like, well, I'm not rich, so he's not talking about me. And so you're, you, you, you want to, in a sense, want to just check out right now, but I urge you, don't. <laughs> As I shared last week, even when he's talking about other issues the Word of God can speak to our hearts no matter who He's pointing the finger to. I think we can all kind of glean from and and receive things from the Word of God regardless. But there was guys who were saying, well, He's not really talking to me. James's focus was on the the same ones that Paul was focusing on in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Those who were within the church who who had become rich or, or had were already rich, who had not just become rich, but they had or, or were becoming greedy. They were, they were now unfair with those with whom they owed something to. They were holding back from them for their own gain, for their own pleasures, for their own luxury. Money seems to change people. That, that, that's what people say. But in reality, it's not the money. Like I said, it's immoral or amoral. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not so much the money that changes people. It, it is a matter of the heart. That is what changes the person. Greed has crept in. And when greed creeps in to anybody, no matter if they're rich or poor, It's the greed that changes people and they begin to do things that they thought they would never do in the pursuit to gain finances, these finances. So there must have been within the church that he is writing to those who were not dealing in an ethical way. They were were not dealing in a moral way with those who, who, who were under them. They were taking advantage of others because of their position, because of what they now had. However they were dealing, they, were, they weren't being kind to them. You see, if, if we look through Scripture, we would see that many of God's people were wealthy. They, they, they were prosperous. And there was nothing wrong with that. God had blessed them. God had, had, had poured into them. 
But they had things in perspective. They kept things in perspective. And so the question might come up, well, if God is okay with people having money, why then is James having a hard time with this? Why does he keep on bringing this up? Why does he see something wrong in it? Why is he making a big deal? No, God also makes a big deal about this when when God sees that people are being treated unfairly by those who owe them something. It's a big deal to God as well. When, When people are getting hurt by other people because they are not being fair to those who they owe, God doesn't look kindly on it either. And so he mentions it throughout his word. In in Leviticus, and you can write these scriptures down. I'll give you several throughout the time. But Leviticus 19.13 says this, You shall not cheat, cheat your neighbor, nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. The custom was back then, they were day laborers. If you hired them for today, you would give them their pay that day. You would not take it and, and hold on to it until the next day. He says, don't do that. I know our, our culture is a little different. We wait until the end of the week or two weeks or a month, however it is. But even if you're doing those things, do not hold back from what is owed to them. If they have worked for you, if they've given you a day's work. Deuteronomy 24:15 says each day you shall give him his wages and let not the sun go down on it for he is poor and has set his heart on it lest he cry out against you to the Lord and to you and to and it will be sin to you Again God listens to those who are poor and those who are hurting and those who have been owed something he says don't hold back from them because if they cry cry out to to me i will deal with it in other words i will deal with you i don't want to hear them crying out because it will be sin for you so so james is is telling them he is warning them that misery is coming because of how they are conducting business, because of them being unethical, because they are not treating people kindly, he says there is misery coming your way. When, 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 when businesses are run in an unethical manner, eventually there will be some misery coming along with it. It's only a matter of time. It will catch up because God is not slack and He is not deaf when those are crying out to him because of the unfairness, because of the, the fraud of holding back. And, and so as he says misery is coming, he, he, he kind of now lists some things that will happen to their most prized possessions. Those who were holding on to these things. He, 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 he begins to, to account or, or give them an account of of what, of how they were dealing. When, when he says the riches are corrupted, those riches that they were going after were becoming rottenness, <laughs> and 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 it would it would come to ruin in the future. It just stunk up the place. Their fine uh, garments that they sought after for so much 
would be soon moth-eaten. They would decay. And what they thought would last forever, their gold and their silver, says is going to become corroded. It would dull out. It would, it would become tarnished. It was going to eat away at them. And it would speak out against them. It would be a witness against them, he says. And it would burn them. I thought like a battery acid, you know. It's like corrosive and, and, and it burns if it gets on you. It will burn you like fire. James is warning them about their greediness. That's what he's warning them of. They were heaping up treasures for the last days, he says. And yet they never even gave it a second thought that they would have to give an account for how they were treating other people. Just like the parable that we looked at last week. When, when, when the farmer, when, when he had plenty and he decided, man, I have so much, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy my barns and build new ones and I will have so much and I will eat, drink and be merry. And God says, you're a fool because tonight your soul will, be, will give an account. Foolish. The, the, the warning here is to weep and howl, to burst into tears, it literally means. In other words, repent now. If, if you're treating people like that, it's time to repent. It's time to, to put on sackcloth and ashes, basically. You have no clue if you will live till tomorrow. So don't treat people like that today. Because you will give an account. What they were heaping up wasn't theirs to, to keep in the first place. Others had worked for it already. And they owed it to someone and yet they were holding back from them. And they were living in luxury and they were fulfilling their own pleasures with it. And that's what he was coming against them for. For ripping somebody else off like that. For ripping off their workers. Now, I am not into redistribution of wealth. <laughs> if someone works hard and becomes wealthy, they, are, they could do whatever they want with their money. That, it, it is theirs to do whatever they want. And if they have a business, they can run it the way they want in a sense. I am not entitled to their money, nor are you. On the other hand, if someone works for them, then pay them. They should, they should pay them what they have promised, what they have bargained for. They should, they should pay that person and not rip them off because an employer, he is entitled to make a profit however he deems right for them, for his company. He has every right to do that. And I think people often... Look at the employer like, well, he's making all kinds of money. Well, he took the responsibility. You didn't. And they can do whatever they want. Go work somewhere else if you're not happy. But they are not to be ripping off others in their greediness. Proverbs 15, 27 says, He who is greedy for gain troubles his own house. But he who hates bribes will live. Do the right thing. 
If you're in that position, do what is right. Do not defraud those who work for you. They were bringing this on themselves because of their greediness. And greediness is what is bringing about this harshness that that James is is talking to them about. It it, it was the greediness. And for that matter, God comes against that. Again, it goes back to the heart of man. It goes back to, 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 to the pride of man that we've been covering. James wasn't against making money. James wasn't against keeping money or saving money or putting some away for a rainy day. He is not against that at all. Matter of fact, God tells us through Proverbs that we should be doing that, that we should be good stewards of what we make, that it's okay to put money away to, to save and to do those things for a rainy day. You see, saving money is biblical. Hoarding money and taking money from others is not. <laughs> it's wrong. And the people that James is talking to were hoarding money that really didn't belong to them. It wasn't, for the, it, it wasn't theirs to keep. And they were in the wrong. They were sinning for, for that. Saving and hoarding are, are two different things. Savers, people who, who save, they save to provide for their family and to more than likely help other people. In other words, they, they are willing to give some of that away. They understand the concept of it. Hoarders, on the other hand, they, 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 they hoard just to have. <laughs> and, and, and not willing <laughs> to share it with, with others. And maybe even sometimes with their own family. They, 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 they save so much that the rest of the family is, is, is crippled because of them. And, and, and they're building their little stockpile up here. And they, the family has no clue. It's like, why are we so poor? It's like, mm, we're not poor. <laughs> I have a little stash that nobody knows about. They're hoarding it. And, and, and more than likely, <laughs> they're just not going to share with anybody. And they're the type that they always need just a little bit more. Their, their treasure is here on earth. That is where their heart is at. And yet it's all temporary. Our, our hearts, our desire should be that our treasures be in heaven. That's where our hearts should be as well. So that we can use our resources to help other people to minister to other people. Because we understand, or those of us who understand the concept is that you are not going to take it with you. None of it. It's interesting because you could have all the money in the world and be, be buried in the most lavish casket and it's still going in the ground. You are not going to be, be bragging about it whichever way you go. It's like, man, did you guys see the casket I was buried in? Because, man, it was pretty tight. It was thinking amazing. Huh. Verses 4 through, the, through, through 6, it says, Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mow the fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ear of the, 
of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. I I know that sometimes it looks like those who do such things get away with it. Like nothing ever happens to them. And I was reminded of, of King David when, when he wrote the, the 73rd Psalm. When, when he says, look at the ungodly, Lord. They get away with everything. They have everything. They never seem to be hurting for anything. And, and those who follow after you, look at us. Look at what goes on in our lives. And he was complaining about that. And it seems that, that, that such people, as, as James is talking about here, that they've gotten away with it scot-free. Because it looks like they have died with everything. But don't be deceived. They have, they have died with nothing. They have died with nothing. They came into the world with nothing. And they left the world with nothing. They truly left everything behind. If you know the story in Luke chapter 16, the rich man and Lazarus, two real people, it says that Lazarus was a poor man. He was a beggar. It says that when he died, he was carried up to Abraham's bosom or carried to Abraham's bosom. And when the rich man died, it says that he was buried. That's the way it, it, it phrases that. There, there, there's a difference in that. And it says that, that when they were in this place, that there was a big gulf between them and the rich man could see what was going on on the other side of the gulf there. And he sees that Lazarus is being comforted in Abraham's bosom. And he yells out, he says, Hey, Father Abraham, have Lazarus dip his finger in some water and come over here and just put it on my tongue just to give me a little break because I am being tormented. And Abraham says, Ah, there's no way we can do that. See, there's a difference. God sees it. He is the Lord of Sabbath, it says, the Lord of hosts, and He takes notice of the injustices that are being done. He he sees what happens to the poor and the innocent, those who can't fight back (laughs) in court because they they don't have the resources to go after the man. The one that's bringing, keeping them down, type. Those who are being, who, who take advantage of them. It's interesting because the Bible tells us that, that Abel's blood cried out from the ground even after he was dead. And so does the cries of the reapers and the, and the laborers and those who are being treated with injustice. Their cries reach the, the ears of the Lord of hosts. He, he takes notice of these things. He's not silent in these things. Now, I know that we often think that if we only had some money or more of it, we would be happier. Life would be a lot easier if we had just more money. All our problems or a lot of our problems would be done away with. But guys, it's temporary. If money truly did make people happy, 
If it truly took care of everything, then we wouldn't be looking at TV and seeing these people who have so much money they don't even know what to do with it and they can't even keep their marriages or their kids and they are just in ruin and they are ruining their lives left and right. I was reading uh, yesterday morning about... Warren Buffett, it's not the one that sang that song, it's another guy, who's like one of the richest men in the world, 80-some years old, getting married, or he got married the other day, on his third marriage. He had billions, and he couldn't keep his first wife for a second. And he married a girl that was half his age, in her 40s. And I think, man, that's true love. (laughs) That one's going to last. But he's pursuing that happiness. He's pursuing that pleasure that that he could still feel. It's like, dude, you could have all the money in the world and it's not going to make you happy. It's temporary. Again, we wouldn't be seeing all the destruction from those who do have it made in that sense. Because the reality is that those who are rich are not happy and misery finds them quite quickly. Because all the money in the world cannot buy happiness. Oh, they might look like they're having pleasure and luxury. James says that they set themselves up as in a day of slaughter. They are fattening themselves up for nothing. Because they die and they leave it all behind. (laughs) That's it. The poor, it seems, have gotten, has gotten the, the raw end of the deal. Because they don't have the means to go after those who treat them unfairly and stuff like that. So the poor doesn't resist the, the rich in that sense. He offers no resistance. He, he takes his lickings and he keeps on going, it seems like. But there is one who stands up. For the poor. There is one who stands up for, for those who are being treated unjustly. There's one who will have the last laugh, and yet it's not even a laughing matter because it's sad, their outcome. They seem that they have gotten away with it, but they, they, they won't. Proverbs 14:31 says, He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who honors him has mercy on the needy. Proverbs 22.2 The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. Let me throw you a little curveball here, lest you think that you have dodged a bullet because most of us here don't consider ourselves rich. I, I, I want to throw this out at you. Greediness can hit all of us, regardless of our financial status. Because oftentimes it's the pursuit of money that gets us into all kinds of trouble. And greediness, what I'm getting at is is when we are living above our means. Trying to reach a status that, that we know that's not where we're at. And I know, I know, I have gone from preaching to meddling here. (laughs) And you're thinking, why'd you have to go there? Hear me out, bear with me for a little bit. 
living like you're rich and acting like you're rich will bring about the same kind of harshness that James is talking about to the rich. When you place yourself in that pursuit that you are somebody who you are not, then, 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 then these kinds of words will come at you as well because they will come to nothing. And you will find yourself in, in, in situations that, that you never thought that you would find yourself because you went after things that weren't yours really. You became indebted to these things and you ended up losing it all. Now I understand, I totally understand what has happened in our economy. We've all felt it. And many have lost everything. And it wasn't by their doing. They, they were doing well and then everything just crashed. And they have had to readjust and rethink their entire lifestyle. And changes have been made. But I'm talking about those who, who rode the wave. Who, who rode the wave and then bailed on their commitments. And they knew it. And, and, and in a sense, they were living above their means and they ended up defrauding the rich and they thought nothing of it. They thought nothing of it. You see, it's never a good thing to take advantage of other people for personal gain or for, for selfish pleasures. It's never a good thing. I don't care if you're rich or poor. Getting caught up in what the world tells us that we should have is very easy, very enticing. And greediness can set in before you know it. Because when you go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, it says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, from which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And they brought it on themselves because they had this pursuit that God was wanting them to be content and they desired more. And they have brought about many sorrows. Because if you go back a couple of verses, and this is where my heart is, you know, that, that, that we should live as First Timothy 6, 6 through 8 says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain you will carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Many of the struggles that we go through financially have to do with the heart. They have to do with the pride. <laughs> and they have to do with disobedience to God in regards to tithing. I know some of you guys are going, jeez, he said it. <sighs> I thought we were going to get away from it. Uh, it has been said that the last thing to get saved is your wallet. The last thing to get saved is your pocketbook. <laughs> Because we end up saying, Lord, you can have it all. Just don't touch my wallet. <laughs> don't go there, Lord. <laughs> and I know some of you might be thinking, how did you get to tithing with these verses? Come on, Rick. 
stretching it. The, the emphasis has been on the rich and, and those things associated with that, on, on their greediness and how they have kept back by fraud. Give, giving to God what is His has to do with each of these things. Riches, greed, holding back. I've heard it said, every time you tithe, you become less and less selfish. And I will add greedy. <laughs> every time you give to the Lord, you become less. Give to, to Him what is His. And, 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 and I know that most of us understand that and know that. Even as young Christians, I know that most of us, we know I know we should, but gosh, I just battle that. And again, those battles is because we don't want to deal with it. We don't want to do it. And my heart is that you would not struggle with this issue. That you would be obedient to what you know to do. That's my heart for you. I hate that you would have to battle and struggle with that. But God wants you to be obedient. He really does. That's what he requires of you. Amen? Amen. Let's stand as we close in prayer, guys. Father, as we once again, Lord God, thank you and praise you for this book. Lord, we are in awe in how you deal with us, Lord. (laughs) Lord, the, the convictions that you give in your word, Lord God. The love that you share as well, Lord, because you love us so much. Lord, I pray right now for my brothers and sisters, Lord. I pray for them, Lord, whether they're rich or poor, Lord. You know their situation, Lord. You know the things that they struggle with day in and day out, Lord. Father, you know the things that they are doing that is in obedience and what is not. And I just pray for them, Lord, that you would truly minister to their hearts this morning, Lord. Father, in the way they treat other people because of what they have or don't have. That, God, you would truly, Lord, God, just encourage my brothers and sisters to seek your face, Lord, when it comes to financial matters, Lord. When it comes to, to, to purchasing things, Lord, God, and doing what they want to do and what they need to do, Lord, God, I pray that you would truly give my brothers and sisters understanding in their, in their finances, Lord, God. I pray your blessing upon them. Lord, I do pray that, God, they would be faithful and obedient when it comes to you, Lord, God, in these finances, Lord, we lift them up to you, God. I pray for those who, who may be visiting this morning, who may be new, who, who maybe are thinking, I knew it, <laughs> they're going to talk about money. Lord, just help them to put things in perspective this morning. But I thank you, Lord, God, for the work that you want to do in our lives and in the life of this body, Lord, here. And I thank you for these people, Lord. And I pray your blessing on them. Continue to convict them, Lord. Bring them closer to you through that. Lift them up and mature them, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys.